You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Matt, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It's an honor to be here with you. You have a incredible story of ultimately surrender, and I'd love for you to share a bit of your backstory and the struggles that you experienced and then what you went through in that process of surrender and what life looks like now on the other side of it with respect to your relationship with the Lord. Sure. Yeah, so I grew up in church and pretty much when the doors were open, I was there and did not know Jesus. I was brought up in religion and my parents are wonderful folks and they love the Lord, but it was just, it was routine for me. It was a, it was a discipline more than it was relationship. So when I turned 18, I ended up going off to college and I ran as far away from God as I could, lived to party. That's Well, I picked the university that I went to, heard they had good parties, and they did. And so I spent years of my life pursuing the things that the world tells you are going to fulfill you. I went to school at Georgia Southern University, moved back to Atlanta. It wasn't too long before I was in a high-rise condo that I bought, living this fast-paced life. And it was just pursuing success and had an outside sales position, making good money and started a mortgage company, making more money and just chasing all of the stuff that it wasn't fulfilling. And so even though there was worldly success, I continued to feel empty inside. There were many times that I would have been out after a night of partying and just wondering like, who am I? What am I doing? And my grandmother passed away in June of 2004. And What was already a downward spiral, it was like a rapid acceleration after that. I got so angry with God because I wasn't in relationship with him. I knew nothing about his heart. I knew nothing about just how good he is. Ended up just going down a darker path. It was in that season that the Lord, because he is still so loving and kind, he sent me my now wife. So I was dead set against getting married. I told everybody that I talked to I was going to be 30, 35. I'm just pursuing stuff. I'm so selfish and only care about me. And he still sent me a woman that I just knew I've got to marry this woman. I don't know what it is about her, but there's something different about her. And I knew within two weeks that she was going to be my wife. And within three months, we were engaged. Nine months, we were married. No, she was not pregnant. That was a prevailing question. (laughs) We just knew. And so even though we were both far from the Lord, neither of us in church at that time, we just we knew that God had brought us together. Isn't that amazing how in the midst of you running hard from God, of spiraling down, God drops this precious future spouse into your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's you can't explain how good God is until they've tasted and seen for themselves. And I tasted and saw. And again, I'm 
going to get into this in, in a couple minutes. I didn't even realize how he had orchestrated all this until later on. But meeting her made me want to be a better man. And I started just recognizing things about myself, some of the bad decisions that I was still making that I needed to start making changes. And so after a turn of events, ended up getting recruited to go into business with my father-in-law, left my business partner in the mortgage company, ended up moving to Birmingham, Alabama to be my father-in-law's succession plan in a financial planning industry. And so in our move to Birmingham, after we got married, my parents said, you really need to get back in church. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Whatever. And so we would visit different churches and just didn't really find a fit. It was probably because of our lifestyle outside of Sunday that we were really opposed to being in God's presence that day. But we end up moving to Birmingham and we start going to a church and it was the church that my wife grew up in and went because it was convenient and it was right across the street from our house. And so we would check the box and we would still go out on Fridays and Saturdays and live a life for ourselves. But we would show up on Sunday and eventually started getting into Sunday school and things of that nature. And uh, 2011, my, my wife encountered the Lord in a dramatic, supernatural way. And the God of the Bible just started sharing things with her prophetically. And she was just reading the book of John and questioning if God was even real. And he just started to reveal himself to her. And I came home one day and she was sharing stuff with me. And I was like, who are you and what have you done with my wife? I had no <laughs> concept of any of it. It really kind of freaked me out. And again, I was still just just questioning a lot of stuff. You know, I was growing, but still really just all about me and still pursuing the worldly success. So let me ask, Matt, when your wife came back and had that radical encounter with the living God, did she say anything to you or try to push one way or another? What was it that you noticed mostly as a defining difference? Well, first of all, she was so in love with Jesus and she was so loving and kind to me. And I saw a shift in her patience for me and that was really overwhelming and I just couldn't understand it. And then she was she was reading my mail. I was literally asking her, have you been going through my text messages? Have you been going through my email? Like, how do you know this information? And she would explain, God shared it with me. I'm like, I don't understand that. I've got no paradigm. I've got no context mm -hmm. for any of that. So I actually started meeting with the pastor at the time at the Methodist church we were at. And he was explaining to me, this is, it's actually biblical. And I was like, what? I didn't, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. And he started explaining like who God was. And I'd never read the Bible for myself, even though all the time that I spent in church. We were at that church for a while, developed a relationship with him. He was challenging me and I really felt like I wanted to grow, but it was kind of like, you know, I would grow a little bit and then I would revert back to bad behavior. Then I'd grow a little bit, then I'd revert back to bad behavior. I still was just, it was living multiple lives and ended up 2014, we started going to another church, really felt that there was more of the Lord available, that the pastor that, that I developed a relationship with, he left the old church, which kind of spurred us in a different direction. And as we got to this other church, that get in a small group, get in a small group. And I don't want to get in a small group. You know, I, I like just checking the box on Sunday because I could go to Sunday school and then I could go to church and then I could live for me the rest of the week. And if I go to a small group and that's during the week, then I've got to 
figure out how to balance out this double life. And, and I'm just being transparent. I was not a good person, unfortunately. The world probably would have told you it's fine. But looking back on who I was, I wasn't being true to myself. I wasn't being true to who God had called me to be. Unfortunately, a lot of people live the Christian life this way, and it's not the fullness of life that God has for us. And thankfully, I ended up with a small group leader and he challenged me as a man. He challenged me uh, about the supernatural, uh, ended up going to prophetic services and learning more about the God of supernatural abilities. And then ended up the, the tail end of 2014, I went to a business conference for the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors. I'm at the Grand Hyatt in San Diego. And one of the speakers has said, you know, we're not in the life insurance business. We're not the wealth management business. We're not the financial planning business. We're in the lifestyle continuation business. I'm like, I love the sound of that. I wonder if that's been trademarked. And it had been, and I was like, you know, what is similar to that, that name and this name, just perpetual lifestyle planning popped in my head and had no concept of the Holy Spirit, no concept of God speaking to me. I knew he was speaking to my wife, but that wasn't going to happen with me. <laughs> and now looking back, I know that it was God giving me that name and giving me that revelation. And so ended up coming back and sharing that idea with my wife. She loved it. I shared it with my father-in-law. He was not fond of it. And I felt like it was a really good idea. And so long story short, end up going back to Newport Beach in November of 2014. My wife went with me that time. We ended up having discussions. She realized what I was trying to accomplish in this business. So came back tail end of that year. And I said, honey, I, I think I'm going to have to start my own firm. I think this is God. And I think I'm going to have to start my own firm. Now, again, I want to be very clear with everybody. I'm still not fully walking with the Lord at this point. I'm in a small group. I'm attending church, growing, but I am not fully walking with the Lord. I'm still living that double life. I'm still trying to be this successful worldly person with sprinkle a little, sprinkle in a little bit of God. But I start the process of leaving my father-in-law. We had that agreement and end up leaving him as I'm starting to do that. January 9th of 2015, my grandfather has a stroke in the morning. My dad's diagnosed with bladder cancer in the afternoon, easily one of the worst days of my life. I go to my small group leader. I was like, man, I don't know what to do. I'm leaving my father-in-law, my granddad, my dad, all these you know, strong male role models in my life, these mentors in my life. They're all going through this stuff. I can't reach out to any of them. And he said, you know, I think you're going to have to surrender this to the Lord. I was like, you know what? He may be on to something. That sounds <laughs> like a good idea. So I started that process in 2015. Again, I'm a slow learner. So throughout that year, I was growing, but I was still battling my flesh. I was still drinking a lot. I was still trying to go back and forth. I wanted more of the Lord, but at the same time, the devil had so many hooks in me and I just was a battle going back and forth. Matt, it sounds like there was a whole lot of effort against behavior modification instead of actual radical heart change like your wife had. That's right. So I was trying to become a better person through discipline. I'm a disciplined person. I'm a scheduled person. I am a 
systems and processes. This is how you can do all these things to improve. So I was still doing a lot of things in my own strength. The tail end of that year, November, end up going to marriage counseling. My wife, she had enough. I mean, I was still selfish, even though I was growing in the Lord, still just so many things that that I wasn't doing right as a husband. And so we go into the marriage counseling and I mean, just she undresses me in front of two perfect strangers. Just she's got pages of notes of all the things that I'm doing wrong. And I'm thinking, oh, it's not that bad. But I walk out of there with two things. Number one, I was a selfish jerk and I needed to change. And then number two, the counselors that we're meeting with, it was a husband and wife. They shared their story and the things that they'd been through. And they told us about how God had redeemed their marriage their trust, all kinds of stuff. And and I told her, I said, honey, if God can fix all that, we need a few tweaks. We need a few adjustments, but you know, if he can restore all of that, then he can help us too. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I made that commitment. I'm going to be a better man. I'm going to be a better husband. And so I really started pursuing the Lord. They told us, put God first and then put each other second, and then your children after that, and then everything else will fall into place. And so we both started doing those things in January of 2016. I ended up going through 21 days of prayer and it was 6 a.m. Monday through Friday. I did not like to wake up that early, let alone be somewhere at 6 a.m. I went the first day, 700 some odd people at this campus that I was at. <laughs> I was like, there's either a lot of crazy people, there's something to this. And I think I felt the presence of God for the first time. I said, I think that there's something to this. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it for the full 21 days. I'm making the commitment. I will be a part of this every single day. And I was, and I didn't know how I was going to pray for an hour. I don't know how these people around me are like engaged for an hour. Like what, how could they do this for an hour for 21 days? No concept still. And I just pressed in and I just started praying and I just started seeking the Lord. I started reading the Bible every single day. And day 17, the Lord supernaturally revealed to me that my mom had been praying for my entire life for me to marry a godly woman. And that's why he sent me my wife. So the result of 27 years of what seemed like unanswered prayers for my mom, because there were there were some not good choices that mm-hmm. were made in relationships for a long time. And so I'm sure she had to have been crying out to the Lord, Lord, do you hear me? This is definitely not the one. And again, even when Jamie and I got married, we were not walking with him. So And I've kind of teased her a little bit. I'm sure that she still didn't feel like her prayer was answered at the point that we decided to get married. She says that was not the case. But nonetheless, he reveals that to me. And then he reveals that in 2011, when my wife encountered him, that she started praying that I would meet godly men because I was so selfish, because I wouldn't listen to her as my wife, because I didn't understand the stuff that she was talking about. He showed me, I sent you this one and I sent you this one and I sent you this one. And he named them and he basically like revealed he had been there throughout this entire process. And when you realize God's been chasing you for a long time, you've been wondering where God is and all you've got to do is turn around. He's right there. Like for me, again, it took a long time. But at that point, I just, I knew like surrender was the answer. And I completely surrendered everything to him. I said, God, I am yours. I am so sorry. I'm sorry that I have been pursuing all these other things. I'm sorry for who I've been. I'm sorry that I haven't been the man that you've called me to be. 
I am yours. I will do what you tell me to do. I will go where you tell me to go. Lord, I am, I'm yours. You know, everything I have is yours. So that was the day that I fully surrendered and I haven't been the same since. Did this happen during that hour of prayer on the 17th day or this happened after you left? What's some context there? It happened in the middle of prayer on that 17th day. And when I had that supernatural revelation, I mean, I just broke. I mean, I wept just cried out to the Lord and realized that, you know, just like marriage counseling, I was the problem. Sometimes we're looking, you know, why is God doing this? Or why is my spouse doing this? Or why are my kids doing this? Like, we really need to look in the mirror and see what role we play in the situations that we end up in. Because the situations that I got myself into, they were all based on my decisions. They were all based on selfish behavior it was trying to consume as much as possible of what the world has to offer. And when I started wanting what the Lord had to offer more than what the world could ever give me, it was so much greater. And it really, it changed me as a man. My wife knew, I sent her a text that day and she said she could tell from the text that something had happened and she knew that there was something different. Now, for the next couple months, she's wondering, because she's seen me go back and forth and have these battles before of improving and then falling back and then improving and falling. And so she's told me over the years that she wondered, like, is this going to stick or is this going to just be flash in the pan? Thankfully, I just I've continued to grow in my walk. I've continued to grow deeper continue to grow in more relationship with him and all of the things that I thought, well, God does that with my wife. He will not do that with me. I mean, the supernatural I see on a regular basis, you know, I see people healed. I see people saved. I see people delivered. I mean, it was a Saul to Paul moment for me. And in the journey that I've been on, that there's just an evangelistic spirit that, that he's awakened inside of me. I want people to know what God did for me he can do for them. There's nobody that is too far gone. There's nobody that God doesn't want to reach. There's nobody that the love of God cannot radically change because I know who I was and I know who I am now. So I know what he is capable of for anybody that is out there listening. His love is greater than your struggle. What was the greatest aha moment for you in the first day or so? What did you recognize and sense? But just that he was so loving was so kind. He was so patient. You know, he was so gentle that all of the mistakes and bad decisions that I made over the year, he was right there, but he wasn't beating me over the head. He was just waiting for me to stop and go back to him. And he was right there with open arms. Just like the story of the prodigal son, I had become the son in that story. I had become the son who thought that I had squandered everything, that I'd gone out and I'd ended up in a pig pen. And there's no way that my father would ever welcome me, but maybe he would hire me as a servant. No, he welcomed me back as a son that had been dead and now was alive. And so with that, I started getting more into his word, spending more time in prayer, spending more time in worship. God is so real. He is so real and he wants a relationship with every single one of us. And you know, one of the greatest revelations that I've had over the past couple of years, you know, John 14, 12, I'd read through the Bible several times, read that verse again. And it says, truly, I tell you, anyone who believes will do the same works, if not greater, because I'm going to be with the Father. That was Jesus speaking 
telling you that you could do the same things as him if you believe, if not greater. So I don't know what if not greater looks like. Jesus was obviously the greatest man that has ever walked this earth. He was perfect. He was all powerful. He was God in the flesh. But I want to see what that looks like. So the people that I pray for, I expect them to get healed. Do they all get healed? No, but I see more people get healed than do not. I pray because I expect God to honor his word, not because I think that there's anything special about me, but I've seen him do incredible miracles by fully understanding the weight of that verse. And I mean, he told us to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy. And the past two and a half, almost three years now, it's been a season of sickness, fear, people uh, afraid of stuff going on. And I've seen God do incredible things in this season as I've been willing to lay hands on people, not stand six feet away from them, but to draw near to them, just like he draws near to us and then see him change people's situations. So powerful. Now, this truly affected your work as well, didn't it? Your business. Absolutely. Perpetual lifestyle planning is the continuous planning for someone's lifestyle. And so I just thought that meant there were going to be more ways for me to plan for people financially, but still had no concept of what all God was going to do in this business. And, you know, initially I start the firm and I lose 40% of my income that first year. Wow. I really did not understand that pursuing God doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Just because you're going down the path that the Lord's called you to go down Mm -hmm. does not mean it's going to be sunshine and rainbows all the way. There will be trials that develop perseverance. There will be tests to determine, do you truly believe what you say you believe or do you not? In that first year in 2015, when I launched the business, again, it was a year of stripping me of stuff that I had put my trust in, that I put my hope in, income, assets, things of that nature and worldly success. And I had to have those things removed for me to shift my focus and my trust fully to God. And then 2016 was the year I fully surrendered. I'd love to tell you that as soon as I surrendered, everything got better. It did not. It continued to be challenging. And over the last seven and a half years, I've seen God do incredible things. 2020 was a remarkable year for our business because we just said, hey, we're going to be here. We're going to serve you. Okay. We're going to offer you wise counsel in a season of craziness. We're going to be here. We're not going anywhere. And our doors are open. If you want to come in, Mm -hmm. if you want to stay six feet, you can stay six feet. You want to wear a mask, you can do that. We're not doing any of it. But if you want Zoom, you want a phone call, we will do that too. But we're going to serve you the way that you want to be served. And people want to know what's going to happen with COVID. I have no idea. What's going to happen with the market? I have no idea. What's going to happen with the election? I have no idea. But here's what I know. As followers of Jesus, we're either going to make it through this or he's coming back soon. And either way we win, like, you're right. I've got more money. What should we do with it? And so people over and over just sharing godly truth with some practical applications as well. Our business grew exponentially in 2020. 2021, it grew even more when I think things were crazier than they were in 2020. And then this year with the market down, the business has grown even more. We're already over 100% of our new business goal. It was 33% higher than last year, which was 33% higher than the year before. 
because we were 133% of our goal in 2020. So serving people well, people come to us and they say, hey, I hear that you're a follower of Jesus. I need to talk to you. My friend recommended me because you're a godly person. I want to talk to you. Now, I want to bring my assets over here because you know, of all of the things that you represent, not because you're just chasing returns or you're just going to tell me whatever the latest best market picks are. This is a marketplace ministry. It is a place where people come in and they're going through a difficult time. We pray for them. We lay hands on them. We, again, we see them healed. We see them saved. We see them delivered in our office. We see God do incredible things. I mean, oftentimes I'm in my office and I hear Kathy, who's on my team, she's talking to somebody and she's praying or she's prophesying in the other room. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. And then she gets off the phone. I'm like, who was that? She's like, oh, that was like a customer service person, or that was one of our clients or whoever. So it's a team approach to doing these things, but it's all about serving the Lord first and then serving the clients based on who we are in Him. And everything else flows from that versus I'm a business person that happens to be a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus, a radical follower of Jesus who happens to be in business. And I get to advance His kingdom in this territory. You know, as people come to you, Matt, what is one of the most common questions that you hear when someone's thinking, I'd love for my business to reflect the way you run your business. What do you tell people? I think people always believe that it wouldn't work for them for whatever reason. I mean, there's X, Y, Z different reasons of why people say, well, that wouldn't work here because of this, or that Mm -hmm. wouldn't work here because, and I used to believe those things too. I used to think that you share your faith and obviously some people will be drawn to it. Some people will be repelled, but you know, the biggest misconception that followers of Jesus are believing is that people will not want to do business with me if I start sharing my faith. And the reality is, if it's authentic and if it's life-changing, if it's not only changed your life, but it will change the lives of the other people that you're interacting with, then there's absolutely no way you can lose. Because if you're leading people to Jesus, if you are modeling him, then Number one, you're going to have rewards in heaven. You're going to have treasure stored up in heaven more so than on this earth. But at the same time, Jesus was attractive. And so if you are modeling Jesus, that is attractive to other people. If you're exuding the fruits of the spirit, then people want to be around that. So there were people that that wanted Jesus killed. Clearly, he died on a cross. He was brutally murdered for our sins, but he rose And because of that, we've got eternal life because of that resurrection. But from that standpoint, he said, if they hate you, don't worry about it because they hated me first. So if you're following him, there will be some people that do not get it. And that's okay. But he can do exceedingly abundantly more than you ever hope, dream, or imagine. He's the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills as well. Everything on this earth belongs to him. So the more we think that we can control our outcome more than trusting the God of the universe, that the God who loves us, the God who's in relationship, wants to be in relationship with us, we're putting our trust in all the wrong things. And so I have people tell me all the time, well, best practice says this and best practice. I'm not following best practices. I'm following Jesus. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit 
gives me wisdom. He gives me guidance. He gives me direction. He protects me. And so from that standpoint, I would say, go all in and burn the boats. But I'm following Jesus no matter what. Now, I want to be very clear. There are a lot of people with fish on their cards, that fish on their cars, fish on different marketing materials, and they do not do what they say they're going to do. They do not honor their commitments. They do not represent Jesus well. They just happen to be marketing to a certain culture or demographic. Being in authentic relationship with the Lord, being who we say we are in all aspects of life, that is extremely important. And the first person that somebody sees or they think of when they hear Christian business person, it shouldn't be a flaky person. It shouldn't be a person that doesn't deliver on their value proposition. We as followers of Jesus, we should have more integrity than anybody else in the secular world. We should have more character than anybody in the secular world. Why? Because Jesus modeled that. He was a man of his word, and we should be men and women of our words as well. And when we do that, you're serving people well. You're doing what you say you're going to do. That's hard to find these days. So if you're doing those things well, why wouldn't you be benefiting in the natural as well as the eternal? How can people find out more about you and your business? Yeah, so I'm on social media, Matt Wilson on Facebook and Matt S. Wilson 360 on Instagram. My website is perpetuallifestyleplanning.com and love to engage with people out there, answer any questions. Walking with Jesus is not easy, but it's the greatest decision that I ever made. And doing it in business isn't easy, but it's the greatest decision I ever made. I think that it's so important that people realize not only is it being done, but it's being done all around the world. And the news media does not share a lot of good news. That's why, you know, you've got this podcast. That's why I've got a podcast, Living Life on Purpose with Matt Wilson. It's sharing testimony that is happening all around the world for people to realize it's not only available It's being done. Right on. As we finish up here, Matt, would love to have you pray for our listeners, please. Yeah. So, Father, I just, I thank you. I thank you for everybody within the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would rest on every single person out there. Release your peace, peace that surpasses all understanding. And Father, anybody that's out there that's struggling with anxiety or fear or just Believing the lie that it's great that it works for me, it's great that it works for Brian, but it would never work for them. We just break that off in Jesus' name. We just declare that they have the mind of Christ and they are seated in heavenly places, that they are rooted and grounded in love. And perfect love casts out all fear. So, Father, I ask that you would just awaken the dormant gifts that are lying in people out there, Father, that they're inside of them and they just need to be released. I ask that people would step into prophetic anointing. I ask that people would step into the healing anointing, that they would step into words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Father, I ask that you would speak to them in dreams and visions, that you would just awaken creativity. You are a God of creativity. Lord, I ask that you would open the eyes of their understanding, that they would know how good you are, that they would experience your love and your grace and your mercy. 
like they never have before. And Father, I just bless everybody out there. I bless Brian. I bless this podcast. Lord, I bless his listeners. Lord, I just ask for an increase for everybody out there, Lord, just an increase of your love. And Lord, we just thank you for how good you are. We thank you for Jesus, for sending him to die on the cross so that we could have eternal life, that we could have healing, that we could have grace. Lord, we just, we thank you and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. So loved hearing your story. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It was an honor to be here with you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.